scriptures, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, and Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. And as you all are um, finding your place there, uh, the blessing of today is that, um, you know, uh, Minister Deanna Joe, uh, she has recently retired from the day-to-day, retired, suspended her practice. She likes to say a different word than retired, I, you know, something about that. But she has suspended her practice to focus uh, on the more nonprofit side with uh, the C.T. Vivian Foundation, which is a dynamic foundation focused on literacy, um, scholarship, you know, so on and so forth. I, I, you know, we can definitely talk about that later. But the uh, beauty of having uh, Joe up here with us is we wanted to have a conversation that we would typically have uh, with Al and with Joe on their sofa, at their home, on Sunday morning. So in essence, this is like one large small group today. Like so a sneak peek, like yeah, behind you, the scenes. You all scenes. are in the house today. Yes. You're, you're at home. So make yourself at home. Keep your shoes on. Uh, <laughs> But we want you all to, to, to be at ease and, and be comforted because uh, the, the topic nature that we're going to be looking at, which is around setting boundaries, loving boundaries, is not necessarily the easiest of, of topics to, to discuss. But we also wanted someone with professional and spiritual insight to help us with this topic. So Proverbs 4.23 it says in the New King James, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart spring the issues of life. And then we look at Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. It says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Verse 29, Jesus replied, and he said, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And, and today I want us to look at how do we love others well without losing ourselves in the process? You're looking at me, so that means you're asking me a question. Yes. <laughs> Before I answer that question, I, I kind of want to roll this beautiful bean footage back just a little bit to say to you, thank you for having us pray in regards to the tragedies that we have seen around gun violence. Um, I was mildly convicted as you were praying because I think I'm one of those people whose heart has been desensitized to it and I just genuinely think that's the goal of the enemy. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to applaud you for doing that and I wanted to encourage all of us that sit with it when you hear about it. Don't just think, oh, there's another gun shooting and keep moving but sit in it and pull on your own level of empathy and recognize that that potentially could be a soul that did not get to hear about Jesus or make a decision for Jesus. Um, just wanted to thank you Amen. for that. Thank you for sharing. Now, that gave me time to think about my answer. <laughs> <laughs> just joking. What was the question again? <laughs> the question, you know, I think she's going to be running for office here soon. That's what they do when you ask a question and it says, they you know, what answer. I really think is, and uh, uh, repeat the question. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the question is, how do we love others well? Because the goal is loving others yeah. well. Yeah. But how do we do that without losing ourselves and, and, and still loving ourselves well at the same time? Yeah, it's funny because, first of all, the word love in and of itself is so mystified quite often. Um, we think that love means there are no boundaries. Love means that I can't choose me over you. Uh, that love means I will never hurt. And that's just not true. Uh, love is a selfless act, meaning you give what you have without wanting something in return. But love is not devoid of us personally. 
And that's really important for all of us to understand. Uh, when you listen to the scripture, the second one, it says, love your neighbor how? As you love yourself. As you love yourself. So learning to love ourselves really is the secret to not losing ourselves when we are in relationship. Um, there's a small phrase called, or a small word called, individuation. And I talk about it a lot when I'm in therapy. And if I, if I sound like a therapist, I guess I am one. So <laughs> individuation is really learning where you end and somebody else begins. Um, so I was about to say, no, I'm not going to use that phrase. I'm, uh, so when somebody is enmeshed, um, you know, we say, what's the word that we typically say? Not enmeshed, but entangled. Uh, entangled. Oh, y'all like that word. See, <laughs> I'm, entangled. I'm a boomer. I'm less likely to say entangled, but okay. Yeah, COVID but, introduced that word. Yeah, codependency. Yeah. Is that what? Is that acceptable? Codependency. Okay. That could be the middle ground. Co that sounds so professional. It does. It does. Yeah, right, right. But I think has anybody ever been involved with or have seen a relationship where there's codependency? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And watch this. How many of you say I've seen that relationship and it's been around drugs or alcohol? Yeah, that's. Okay. Um, how many of you have seen that relationship and it's about maybe they lost a spouse or someone lost a parent? Right. Fewer hands go up and I can keep going and the hands will drop because most of us think of codependency just as it relates to alcohol or drugs. But codependency happens a lot. And the reason why it happens is because most of us have not done the hard work of figuring out where we end and somebody else begins. Mm. It makes sense? It makes, it makes a, a lot, lot of sense. sense. It, you know, it's almost like with boundaries, it's almost a taboo because boundaries seem like they're unloving. Mm -hmm. And it seems yeah. like it's, it's more selfish. Yeah. And I will say, even to the boundary being um, unloving, it does sometimes seem harsh, and we can sometimes feel mean, right, when we put those boundaries down. But then you learn some of us have been taught how to not have healthy boundaries, right? Like this is something that if you did put a boundary down, um, you, you may have gotten um, talked about or you may have gotten judged, even from like family, may even have been mom. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good. It's really funny. It starts very young, being able to protect yourself, to love yourself. Um, boundary words, what's the number one boundary word? If you know it, shout it out. No. No. And how many of you look at your kids or were told as a child, don't tell me no, don't tell them no. I see heads nodding, a few people raise their hand. If I could raise my legs, my feet, and some other limbs, I would raise them. I remember my mother in particular trying to take away my personal boundary. And we do it because we wear these masks. See, for a child to tell an adult no, who is it embarrassing for? what and so I don't want to look bad so I'm gonna make my child not say no how about this I'm gonna make my child hug somebody right I'm gonna make my child go with that very person that they are having a hissy fit about being with because I don't want somebody to think something about me it's all about our own individuation because when I don't care about what you think about me I'm going to protect my child and let my child protect themselves with their boundary words. Yes. So this stuff starts way down here. It doesn't start yes. when we're adults. That's good. That's really good. That's good. Yeah, I, I, you know, Ash and I have a child, right? <gasps> you do? Oh my Shocker. gosh. But when we bring that child around Joe, it's like a master class on parenting. It's like, I don't know what I was doing before we met you. So Joe is, when you said that, it reminded us of here recently, I said, what do I do when he has a tantrum? Mm -hmm. And your response was? I don't remember, I tell y'all a lot of things. What I say She said, who is, who is that impacting more, him or oh, you? Yeah. Yes. And, and it really helped me to see internally, what am I trying to guard? Yeah. Or what am I trying to protect in the presence of trusted family and friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important that we check ourselves. So when we are in relationship, 
the first relationship we always think about is romantic relationships. But folks, that's not the first one we ever had. It's not the one that we spend more time with, actually. Even if you're married, you still have the people that you brought to that relationship in your life. I mean, some come, some go, but in general, you have the same folks. And then you have the people that you work with outside of your home, right? Um, and then there are the friends that you develop as you have since been married. And so those relationships are just as important and as powerful as our romantic, but we immediately go to romance when we think about relationships. And I encourage you to begin noticing yourself within your relationships. I talk to people and I hear this phrase all the time, and particularly the mother-child relationship, be it male or female. Mother-child relationship probably is the most scrutinized relationship because it's the most pivotal relationship in our lives. It's that foundational relationship. And I hear this word, oh, I can't tell her that. Oh, I can't say that to her. Oh, I can't do X, Y, or Z. And I'm talking about grown folks. And if you've not yet worked on creating healthy adult boundaries with your parent, how do you think then you will have healthy adult boundaries in your relationships with your friends, your coworkers, and then your romantic relationships, and then lastly, the relationship that you have with your children? And so you're constantly pushing your own needs and desires down to please somebody else. You gotta love you first. What are some myths about boundaries? Like, what is biblical versus what is just something that we've added, you know, and made boundaries something that are more toxic? Like, what, what are some myths? Because seemingly, we should always say yes. You know, there are scriptures in the Bible that says if you have it, to do it, then you should. Yeah. And to those who know to do good and then do not do it, to them that's a sin. Mm -hmm. um, and so to me, I could read that and say that if somebody asked me for, let's just say, I, I know I have $5 right now. Mm -hmm. If somebody were to come up to me and ask me for $5, then in that moment I'm supposed to give them that $5 because you have it. How do we, how do we balance um, what is Christ and what is culture? Yeah, there's that Christ and culture thing, and we live that all the time. You know, I think that's why uh, God left a piece of himself with all of us called Holy Spirit. He recognized that the Bible in and of itself was penned by men at the inspiration of God. But he also knew that it was impossible to contain absolutely everything that he wanted us to know and understand. And so when we're reading the Word of God, it has to be tempered by the Spirit of, the God, of God. We have to allow him to lead and guide and direct us. There are times that I can do something for you because I have it, but I've caused more harm than good. So we have a relative whose um, son is, is, is in his 40s, and he is still struggling with um, being adulting. That, that's a word that's not yes. a boomer word. How'd I do? Yeah. Adulting. Was that used to be context. Yeah. That was perfect. Yes. Your millennium scores. Like. They just went up, didn't they? <laughs> all right. All right. So he's struggling with adulting. Phenomenal person. Really, it's intelligent, brilliant person, but struggling with adulting. And when I look back, the primary reason is because his parents had a hard time saying no. Why? Single mom, raising a child didn't want her child to go without, compensating for the lack of dad being in the home. And this happens all the time. And those of you who are single parents in here, you do not sing a, see a finger pointing. This is human nature. Love will, will, will take you places that can be unhealthy because it gets perverted by what we think is good, and that's what you're talking about, right? So here he is, 40, and not able to make some adulting decisions that I think would be very easy because he's never suffered his consequences. Mm. You know, God is real clear. He says um, the power of life and death is in your tongue, right? He's telling you there are two choices. And then he tells you another verse, and I may get it wrong, so you might have to correct me a little bit, where it talks about... Um, you can choose 
uh, death or life, and he tells you to choose, choose life. Right, choose this day. Yeah, yeah. Deuteronomy what? Because people I'm might want to look it up. 30, 19, y'all verify yeah. that. It might be Deuteronomy 30, 19, yeah. I don't know. Help us is what we're saying, right? <laughs> Feel free when you get it. Holler it out, okay? Um, because we want to make sure we're, we're sharing that, right? You know. That's what he said, chat. Y'all put that in the chat. See, I'm old school again. There's the boomer. Holler it out. <laughs> Send, drop a line. <laughs> yeah. Drop a line. <laughs> but, so we know that there's choice, and God gives us choice. The reason why he gives us choice is he wants us to grow and develop into what he's called us to do. He doesn't want to take a hand, lay it on us, and make us do anything. So there's choice in all things that he is speaking to us. Sometimes choice is, um, is to do something for someone, and sometimes it is not. And we have to look back and ask, What's the right thing? So his mom, believing she has done the right thing for him by giving him absolutely everything, actually crippled him. And so that's where that scripture where you were saying, if you have it, then do it, becomes perverted in a situation where in doing it can cause harm. Holy Spirit will lead and guide and direct if we invite and allow him in our lives. In the absence of the ability to hear from Holy Ghost yourself, Look at people who are doing the thing that you're trying to do well, who have a relationship with God, and ask them, well, what does that mean? Put your pride in your back pocket. Mm. So we don't ask because we don't want people to know we're struggling. That's, 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 that's good. Right? Because that pride is real. And I think what I'm hearing you say is there's good, right? But then there's the God thing to do. Mm, yes. And everything, what's the little saying? Everything this is the old, good. Uh-huh. Everything that glitters oh, ain't gold. Ain't gold. That ain't, too. Y'all heard yep. that saying? Everything mm -hmm. that glitters is not gold. Score going up. I listen. Well, well. I'm, I'm, I may be. <laughs> but it's true. And, and I think sometimes, we, you know, we think by doing the good thing that we've done the God thing. Right. But in all actuality, I think if we pray about it, sometimes God does hinder, uh, well, not hinder, but stops us or constrains us from doing something that it's like, that seemingly seems simple, right? Like, I could give her $5. What's wrong with that? But maybe God is trying to do something in that person's life, and by you giving it, you didn't, now you didn't intervene. You became God, yeah. Yeah. you know? And, and the, the God complex is, you know, something that we've got to be careful of doing, trying to save everybody. And I, during the pandemic, the Lord gave me a saying, and I've kept this because it was, I, I felt like we were getting calls all the time of just tragedy happening. You know, it was in the thick of COVID. And one thing the Lord told me, he says, Ashley, he says, I'm the savior. He says, you're not the savior. You serve, you don't save. That's right. That's good. And wherever I've called you to serve, you do it with all you can but you can't be out here doing this for this person, doing that for that person, and then you lose yourself in the process of trying to save everybody when that was never our job. You know, along, along those lines, mine was, the J is for Joe and not Jesus. That was, that was mine yes, to help me to good. stop trying to that's save good. everybody. But Jesus didn't heal everybody. Oh, I blasphemed. Because that's kind of how we think, right? Yeah. But the first one that comes to mind was the pool of Bethesda when the man was lying at the pool and he couldn't get in. Do you all know that scripture? So the waters were being troubled and whoever got the belief was, let me say it that way. They believed that when the waters were being troubled, whatever caused these waters to be troubled, it was probably an underground spring of some sort that bubbled up. Those who were sick and infirmed believed that if they got into that water first, that they would be healed. And so they knocking each other over and trying to dive in and pulling themselves to get into this water. And Christ appears this particular day, and he went to one person. He didn't go to all the people. I don't know why he didn't go to all the people, but he did not. He chose that one man. And he didn't put him in the water for obvious reasons, but he delivered him. Uh, the Gate Beautiful is another one. There's a man who sat by the Gate Beautiful all his life, and he was up there in age when the two apostles walked past him, and he asked them for money, and he told them, money I don't have, but what I do have. And he tells them to get up and be healed. Now, he said he walked past, he sat there, all his life, do you not believe that Christ walked past the gate beautiful? Yeah. There was a reason God did not intervene. 
We're in his story. This is his story. And sometimes we think our job is to do everything 100% the way society, not Christ, back to your phrase, wants us to do it. And quite often we're interrupting God's story. Take that time to get quiet. We don't know how to quiet ourselves. Um, the absence of peace tells us a lot. You know, you get ready to give some money and you don't have any peace, odds are, hold on to your money. You always have us whenever we want to do something. You give us a question that we are to ask ourselves. Yeah. And you say, Vince, what's, what's your, your motive? Yep. And that helps us to get to the root cause as to even in the good things, are they truly coming from God or are they coming from a need internally that we have to feel good about ourselves? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's a couple things, and I want you all to feel comfortable asking questions as well. Again, if you have questions you want us to ask Joe, again, you can uh, send them in to 770-667-4899. Look at them right there on the screen. That's right. 777-93. All right. Oh, boomer. Y'all didn't know I knew that one. That's a boomer song. Now, now, Al and I have spent many of uh, hours on the road, and we have similar playlists that we enjoy. So we can just let the playlist ride. So I don't know what that says. Maybe he's younger. Maybe I'm older. I'm going to go with he's younger. <laughs> but there, there's a couple statements that I want to bring together. When we first started, you said sometimes people think that love doesn't hurt. Yeah. But here recently, you said that we should not harm. Mm. What is the difference between hurt and harm? Yeah, good question. And for all of you who have seen me as a therapist, you have heard this before, and I'm going to say it again. Um, but hurt and harm, this is the analogy that I use for hurt and harm. So you go to the dentist and you find out you have a cavity. You got a big old hole that's rotten in a tooth, right? So imagine they're getting ready to fill that cavity. And the first thing they're gonna do is shoot you with Novocaine. And that hurts. Can anybody testify? Yes. And then they drill, I love the camera person, they're like, yep, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and then they drill into your, your tooth. And although you aren't supposed to feel the pain, the sound of the drill just kind of connects to pain, doesn't it? You just feel like, oh, they're getting all in my tooth. So we got hurt. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go all the way back to that candy. I looked at Ashley when I said that. Why, Ashley? I have a horrible sweet tooth. Oh my gosh! I do. All the Vivians do too. So I was a that's swan. That's why y'all are my people. But no, that's why the Vivians are. I'm a swan first. I don't have a sweet tooth, but the man that I love, woo boy. Any who back on point, I apologize. So the candy that you eat mm -hmm. that causes the cavity tastes really good. Yes? Can we all relate? Did it hurt when you were eating it? No. But did it cause harm? Irreparable damage. Causes harm. And you think, well, yeah, but I got a cavity. But the tooth is never what it was before. It's irreparable. They can mask it by filling it. And that's the difference between hurt and harm. Hurt might be for a moment, but harm can be for a lifetime. Mm. And so it may hurt when I look at someone and say, hey, I recognize that you, know, you want to hang with me, but I find that when I'm with you, um, I'm always on edge because you're extremely critical of me. Mm. It might hurt, but that's not love to pretend like it isn't hurting you and you stay in the relationship and continuously get criticized. Mm -hmm. And it certainly isn't love when you just ghost them. Because that's what we do instead of dealing with it. How many of you like confrontation? Raise your hand. Oh, gosh darn it, nobody. I, I, one person yeah, goes, well, you know, maybe I can get with it. Somebody's over here doing this. But because I know all Both three that raised their hand, they are from the Northeast and Midwest. <laughs> well, And they will get with you, okay. And I have to own it because I don't run from confrontation either. I don't necessarily like it, but I'm not afraid of it. Um, you know, 
we think if we say we disagree or we're having a confrontation that it's a bad yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. That's not a bad word, folks. We don't grow unless there is some type of disagreement. I'm not going to learn a new perspective if I can't say to Ashley, well, 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 I don't understand why you're doing that. And you go, well, this is why. And my schema, the way I think, gets broadened, and I learn something new that I otherwise would not have learned. But folks run from confrontation, and we ghost people. Stop. Don't do that. Um, that was a millennial word, ghost. Can we? Did I go up again? You did. Your score is like, you're, we're going to get you a pair of skinny jeans and Jordan 1s at the end of today. I got the skinnies, but I don't have the Jordans. Jordans. I need the Jordans. Okay. Um, and uh, ghosting. What is ghosting for everyone's interpretation? Oh, for, for Boomer? Okay. Yes. Ghosting to me, because since you put me out here, y'all, if I get it wrong, smile really big, <laughs> then I'll feel good about being wrong. Uh, ghosting is where you just stop communication without any forewarning or explanation. They just don't hear from you anymore by whatever means of communication that they previously heard from you. Is that correct? Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. So, you know, in, health, in setting healthy boundaries, right, because we realize that there are some relationships and some people that may be a little toxic. Um, so in your perspective of ghosting, um, how do you handle a relationship that maybe you need to put some distance between you and the other person so that you're not constantly being criticized or judged or just emotionally abused? Um, what do you do in that instance? Maybe you're not ghosting, but, but how do you do that properly? Good question. First of all, let me say this. We're talking about normal interactions. We're not talking about if somebody is physically abusing you or verbally abusing you or um, trying to control you. That's a different, I need to get away from, and that requires more dialogue than what I can give here. If you find yourself in a relationship with a parent, with a child, with a friend, with a lover, uh, with a coworker that is abusive, meaning they are physically, verbally, emotionally abusing you or exploiting you, please call the church. We will do what we can to connect you with the appropriate resources so that you can get the help that you need. I just wanted to get that cleared up. Now with that, in our typical relationships, when you find that someone is crossing your boundary, and I'm going to stop there, if you don't know what your boundaries are, you don't know when they've been crossed. And if we could spend just a little time later defining boundaries, Absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah. So you got to know what your boundary is, um, and you have to know how much you can take. Now, I personally have this three kind of thing that I do. So someone crosses a boundary, that's one time. I put it on the shelf because we're all human and we make mistakes. I want somebody to have grace with me. So I give grace to others. So you cross the same boundary twice. Hmm. Well, that's twice, but okay. They could have another bad day. I'll give you that. Boundary cross three is a pattern. And once I see a pattern, I don't ignore a pattern. Now, mind you, I didn't forget about boundary cross one and two, didn't hold them accountable, but I didn't forget. And people will tell you that if you don't, if you still remember you haven't forgiven, that that's just not true. Um, that's not true. That's just not true. Okay, I'm done. Um, so <laughs> with that, once I know that somebody has literally crossed my boundary, I try to have conversation. I'm not a yeller. I'm not a screamer. That's just not who I am. My husband will tell you. I will tell him what I'm feeling and anybody else. I'm going to do it in love. You are. Yeah, because love doesn't hurt. You, you, you're harm. You're not trying to uh, destroy someone's ego or their, their feeling or their reputation. What you're doing is communicating where you are. I use I statements. I own my junk. I can say, for example, let's say that, um, and this is an easy one, we all deal with this one. Every time I get ready to talk to you, Ashley, and I'm, I'm dealing with something, before I can finish 
talking, you then jump in and share what's going on in your life. And it makes me feel like I'm not heard. I didn't say, you don't listen. That's good. That's good. So I own my own junk, but I will share it with you. Now, if you come back and say, oh my gosh, Joe, I am so sorry. I wasn't aware I was doing that. You know, other people tell me that I get to talking and I don't listen so well. Just tell me, I'll shut up. Then it tells me we still are in relationship. She knows it's an area where she needs to grow. She's my friend. So I'm going to help her by saying, I was still talking for her to go, I'm sorry, keep going. If she were to respond like, I don't do that, and that's your problem. That's how you feel, deal with it. That kind of thing that I know, okay, I've located her, and I don't have to argue with her. She can't give me what she doesn't have. And it's not my job to give it to her. So at that moment, I go, well, I hear you. It's good, no worries. Because now I've made the decision, I won't be bringing nothing else to her. And she won't even notice that I don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Did yes, that? Yes. Okay. So you can be, you can still be casual and friendly. You don't have to be mean. No. Right? You don't have to, because no. ghosting is kind of mean. It's very it's, mean. It's mean. Um, you don't have to be uh, all abrasive about it. You just, you know what you can and can't say or can and can't do around a certain individual. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, it's not my job to change you. Yes. You know, that, that, back to that question, what's your motive? Ooh, we, no, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm taking a deep breath. Go ahead, continue with what's your motive. <laughs> uh, I mean, because that, that at the core, especially, especially those of us who have either a level of, of, of walk with the Lord or we have a level of power, a level of control, we see something that is not right, we want to try to change it uh, and maneuver it and, and manipulate it to get the outcome that we desire. Um, but then we have to see, like, deep down inside, what is the motive? Yeah. What's going on with us? Yes. That's really the question. You know, you've been in situations, all of us have, where you are going toe-to-toe -to -toe with someone because you think you are right, <laughs> and you are not backing down because you think you're right. Well, can't you be right and just be right? What's the reason you have to convince the other person that you're right because i'm the man with you yeah well yeah because you're the man, man. <laughs> now we've stepped into uh culture versus christ that's right because i'm the man that's right and that, that well we are here about boundaries <laughs> let's talk boundaries we'll, we'll, we'll have the uh, it's complicated gender issues next <laughs> yeah and that those are gender issues that's very now, true. you know, I realize because I am the, the kind of person and I, and I realize that it could be a trauma defense, too, you know. Um, but let's just say someone is <laughs> I've heard a lot of ladies say I'm really good at boundaries, like I'm almost too good mm. at boundaries. And I feel like when we say that, it's almost like saying we're not necessarily great at boundaries. We're good at putting up barriers. Mm. You know, so in your perspective, your um, insight, what is the difference between I've set a boundary versus this is a barrier? Yeah, oh, that, great question. The difference really um, between a barrier and a boundary are, are windows and doors. And so if I put up a wall, because that's typically what people erect, they erect walls. Nobody is going to hurt me again. That typically is the reason why we have barriers, because who wants to be hurt? Raise your hand. Who? Come on. Nobody, right, wants to be hurt. How many of us been, have been hurt? Raise your hand. That's everybody, even if you didn't feel like raising your hand, yes. right? And no one wants to be in pain. We run from pain. This is why we don't go to the gym. Any who? <laughs> and so we put up walls. And if you look around, walls typically, if you do not have a door or a window in it, it's going to look like that over there. There is no escape. Nothing good can get in. And here's the other part. And nothing bad can get out. And so you think that you have protected yourself. But people need people. Yes, we do. We are a collective culture or a collective species who have been taught to be individualistic. Mm. 
but we are collective. We need each other. This is why we dress the way we dress. We talk the way we talk. We, we're all on social media like crazy. You make sure your social media posts look good because you want people to like you. And not just like you with the like, but you want them to like you. So with boundaries, you're putting a door and windows in so that you can let out what's not good. Because none of us is perfect. Amen. We have things that we need to work on ourselves. We're growing and changing. We need to get that out of our lives. The only way we can see, honestly, where we need to grow and change are two things. Our personal time with God and then our personal time with people who are honest and who love us and who will tell us about ourselves. And so getting that out is important. And then it lets the good in. There are things that God's trying to get to you. But if you have erected walls, nothing, and some of you have moats around your wall, you know, with deep water, with alligators in it, you know? Water. <laughs> right, with no drawbridge. <laughs> Nobody can get to you. You're constantly pushing people out. I had a friend from um, college, and I loved her. She passed maybe two years, two or three years ago. And I just remember how she was always barking at folks, always mean to people. Nobody, and, she, and I'm not saying this to say this is what happens to women. Please don't hear what I'm about to say that way. She desperately wanted to be married, and she died single. And for her situation, not everybody's, part of it was she always pushed everybody away, but her walls were amazing. Those barriers, she had great ones, but keeping everybody out, let no good in. That actually um, ties into a question. I'm glad we had a chance to talk about the difference between boundaries and barriers. One of the questions that came in was, is there a place for boundaries in our relationship with God? Ooh, ooh, ooh. See, it goes back to how do you define relationship? Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? So I would say in your relationship with God, there are no boundaries in terms of what you can say to him, what he can say to you, and what you do in his presence. But there are limitations of what he can bring to you and what he can do for you based on your willingness to open your heart. So you think you have an erected a boundary because you're not talking to God. He is with you and for you and he sees you. Will he be able to do in you the things that he wants if you're not talking to him? You've limited him. Yeah. yeah. So as we kind of begin to our initial descent <laughs> and, and uh, land the plane, I thank you all for uh, flying with us here at Outlet Airlines. Um, as I want to leave people with some practical tips because I remember the first time that I was introduced to this concept of boundaries, I was already working full time in the ministry. And I had a dear friend who is also one of our mentors. He said, I need you to read this book by Dr. Henry Cloud. Mm -hmm. And I began, well, let me, let me be honest. I listened to the book by Dr. Henry Cloud. Checkmark. Uh, yeah, I listened to it. And the information was revolutionary. It was something that I was not used to. Mm -hmm. And the person that I needed to enforce the boundaries on was a person who had raised me from a very small age, and now I'm an adult. And so that relationship, they were still treating me like I was that four-year-old they met. Mm -hmm. And I needed to say something, but everything in me was like, but that's just not godly. Um, and so when I began to implement uh, putting in parameters and, you know, saying and committing to, I can do this at this time. I cannot do this at that time. Um, I was not ready for what came my way as a result of really regaining where I begin and where someone else begins. Yeah. Practically help the person who is hearing this or may have heard boundaries but just didn't have 
some tools with how do I do the basics to get these going in my life and what can I expect when I start saying no? Yeah. Well, you all have asked some really good questions. I appreciate that. And I hope this has been helpful to you all. I think the number one thing that you have to do is get allyship. You know, a lot of times we try to do everything alone, but no man is an island. And are we our brother's keepers? The answer is yes, we are. You know, connect with someone. And, and I don't, I'm not, I advocate therapy. I'm a therapist. I believe in therapy. This is not that. I'm not saying go get a therapist. But if you need one, go get a therapist. I am suggesting that you have people in your life that you already know who do boundaries very, very well because they tell you no and you respect them. So ask them what do they do. Talk with them. Allow them to share with you their experience and give you tips. There's nothing wrong with getting help. It is what we are supposed to do. We are the body of Christ. Not all of us are graced with the same strengths. Use the strengths of someone else. That's number one. Two, expect people to be uh, dissatisfied or angry or frustrated with you. Just expect it. And it is okay. You're not trying to change them. Remember that. Your boundaries are not to change someone else. Your boundaries are to respect you. That's all they are. They are respect. Three, you have to do them in love. If you're doing them out of anger, they are going to fail and you are going to fail. They have to be done in love. Get the love scripture out. I love it. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Is that where it starts? Four. 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 It ends in eight. Yes. Four. Everybody got that? Get that scripture out. Amplified is my absolute favorite version of it because it really defines what love is greater than any other translation that I have seen. Familiarize yourself with it. And as you are setting your boundary, that will help keep you from going to, you know, too far to the left or too far to the right. And then lastly, whenever you tell someone your boundary, maybe as you're first starting to do it, rehearse what you want to say, <laughs> write it down, practice it in the mirror. I know that sounds crazy and we all think, I don't have time to do all of that. But the moment you open your mouth and you start saying the wrong thing, you're going to hear my voice and go, darn it, I should have practiced. Practice it. <laughs> Um, and remember, own your own junk. So one quick example, I am a neat freak. I just am. And I will find myself picking up or doing things when I'm in my home, not in somebody else's home. My home. And if somebody goes, oh, I'm sorry, Joe, my first answer is always, no, no, this isn't you. This is me. I have this issue. This is not your problem. You stay comfortable. I've got it. I never go, yes, and you did this, and you should have done this in my home, and blah, 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 because then I've made it their problem. Yes. This is my boundary. I like a clean home, and I own my junk. So make sure whatever your boundary is, it's about you. It is not about that person. Those are my tips. And I'm, I'm going to clip this part of the service, and I'm going to write them down, because that, that was outstanding. This morning, because uh, it leads into the, the last question that, that we received today. Um, you were sharing with me on the way here to church about how uh, something to the effect that we think not setting boundaries, yeah. that's what keeps us safe. Yeah, sometimes we believe that um, keeping the peace means I don't set this boundary when really that boundary is the only thing really fighting for the peace in the relationship, right? Because peace is not necessarily um, me making you happy, but I'm miserable. Like, that's not peace, because then in and of myself, I'm sitting here going, how did I get myself in the situation? How come I didn't speak up? How come I didn't advocate for myself, right? But boundaries really do set the foundation for having peace in a relationship, yeah. So the question that we have that came in is, what are, and this is for you, Joe, what are a couple of suggestions for securing or walking in greater levels of peace inwardly while setting these boundaries? You all are just pulling on me today. Um, first of all, it, it goes back to knowing who you are and, and loving who you are. It, individuation is so important. The way we started is the way we're going to end. You got to know who you are um, through Christ. You know, I remember years of just being by myself, starting as a child. 
I read books like How to Be Your Own Best Friend as a child. I knew that I was different in some shape, form, or fashion. I got picked on a lot. I was bullied a lot. My problem was, my boundary was, I kicked your butt if you talked about me. <laughs> you, you can't live your life beating up everybody who has a different... I know I'm little. Don't let the small size fool you. I was a major fighter. Still is. But for, but for the Lord. For the Lord. Amen. Now. Let's all gravitate toward that one. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and I couldn't fight at school because my mother was an educator, and that meant a beat down up when I got home if I fought at school, but after school. Any who. So I had to learn to like me. I had eczema very, very severely. Um, I went to school in a predominantly white neighborhood. I lived in a predominantly black neighborhood. So I was really messed up. I just was. And if I didn't take that time to find me and like me, I would not be here right now. And I'm just being real with you. It was a hard battle. I cried a lot at night by myself. No one necessarily even noticed what I was going through. How many of you can relate to that statement? You feel alone. Nobody knows, but God knows. And he will whisper things to you in the quiet of the night when you are crying that you would hear no other time because in those moments of sorrow, we are most surrendered. So spend that time with you. Get up in the morning and have your quiet time if you can. If you're a nighttime person, do it at night. If it's your lunch, do it at lunch. Whenever you find that space and that time with your journal, I really, really advocate journaling. Sit down and find you. Holy Spirit is right there with you. He will talk to you. He'll even give you the scriptures. He'll drop a word on you. Start Googling that word, scriptures for this word. Find the scripture you need. You now have your Bible in any form you can imagine to find the scripture that meets your need. Be honest and real. The previous question was, are there any boundaries with God? You can tell him anything to include I'm angry with you. Don't worry about cleaning up your language. If you cuss, normally cuss when you're talking to God, ooh, blasphemy again. He already knows you cuss. <laughs> like, for real? If that's your transparency, be transparent. He wants your heart. He'll work on all the other stuff in the order that he thinks is important, not you. And find out what you like. What you, do. you don't even know your favorite color half the time or what foods you enjoy, or activities, or music. Why? Because we're constantly trying to do what pleases somebody else. Um, archetypes is what they call those. And, and we are constantly using another pattern to determine our pattern. There's only one pattern that we should be looking at, and that's God. He gave us Christ as our pattern, that the mind that he has, that that's what should be in us. And as you take time to find out you, because he will reveal you to you just as he reveals himself to, to you, you will then start setting boundaries out of love for yourself. They won't have anything to do with anybody else. If you're setting a boundary because you're mad at somebody, you have forgotten who you are. I want us to stay right there because there's a pocket to pray for individuals. And so um, just let's, let's enter now just into a moment of prayer because I, I really feel like, Joe, you've hit a, hit a wave. And so I know I'm putting you on the spot. It's okay. But keep on ministering and then pray for folk as you're led. So. Okay. All right. Um, it's funny. This is one of these areas that I think uh, we are afraid to deal with. We're afraid to be vulnerable. And this is a vulnerable moment. That's what you're sensing. Um, but we serve a vulnerable God. There's no greater vulnerability than to be beaten and stripped of your clothing and hung up on a cross for everybody to see you. Your bowels being released. You're vomiting. See, the Bible can't display or portray all of that. But we know what happens when somebody is being killed very slowly. What a vulnerable place. And many of you are in your vulnerable place. 
you feel like you have lost control of everything. And you feel like everybody knows it, but they're saying nothing. And you try to put your mask on every day to live what somebody else told you that you're supposed to live. Many of you shut that down when you feel it. You run from it. It hurts and it's uncomfortable. And because of that, many of you really don't know who you are. Quiet? It's probably too quiet right now for you. There's a scripture that says, <clears throat> if I ascend into heaven, referring to God, he'll be there. If I made my bed in hell, behold, he'll be there. If I took the wings of the morning and flew to the utmost parts of the sea, even there, even there, his hand will guide you and his right hand will uphold you. And that is what we need right now. And so I'm going to enter into prayer and I'm going to say this, and I don't typically do this, so. The altar is open. I don't have anything. I don't have anything more than what you have. I have God. And there's a place of vulnerability. You are with people who love you. If you don't feel loved today, you are loved. But the altar is open, and I am going to pray. And as I pray, I ask you, encourage you, suggest to you, that you surrender whatever that thing is that keeps you from loving you just as you are. There is no expectation from God for you to clean anything up. Oh, Jiminy Crickets, that's his job. You got one job, surrender. And doesn't it feel hard? It feels hard. So I'm gonna pray. And as I pray, I encourage, and that's all of God. Heavenly Father, we first come before you just with the spirit of worship. We lift and exalt you and magnify you, for you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. You are the Lion of Judah and the Rose of Sharon. You are the bright, and morning star. You are the lily of the valley. You are the one who was and is, and you will come again. You are the God of grace, the God of mercy, the God of love, the God who heals and delivers and sets free. You are high. You are so high but you are right here with us. You are for us. You are near us. You are in us. You are beside us. And no matter what we say, no matter what we do, no matter how we behave, you love us. We may never understand it, but God, you are always there to show us who we are, who we have the potential to be. You are not focused on our past. Our past means nothing to you. All you are and all we have is now. And so now we come to you surrendered. We come to you expecting. We come to you knowing that in you and through you we can do all things. 
God, it's your desire that not only do we love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, but God, that we love ourselves. And today there are far too many of us, not just in this room, not just listening by streaming devices, but in this world who do not love ourselves. Love, which is so simple for you, has become so complicated for us. And we're asking right now, God, that you move throughout. Touch each and every individual in this room. Show them who they are. Reveal your love to them that they may learn to love themselves. God, we come against the enemy. And we declare and decree that everyone in this room is free from the bondage that has been placed on them. Broken relationships that started in childhood. Relationships that have caused not just hurt but harm. Relationships that have made people feel less than that they weren't good enough, weren't pretty enough, weren't manly enough, weren't strong enough, weren't smart enough. Lord God, we rebuke those phrases in the name of Jesus, and we declare right now in the presence of Holy Spirit that they have no power, no influence on anyone. We pray, Father, that every person in here will begin to know that their own worth is valuable that they have a gift and a talent that you personally placed in them because you knew them before they were in their mother's womb, that you knitted them together, Lord God, that you said that they are valuable, that they are loved, that they are worth something, that they are worthy to be treated with respect. I pray, Father, that they will find the good in them because there is good in everyone that they will no longer define themselves by what their mother or father said, their boss said, their neighbor said, their partner said, their children said. But they will define them by what you said, that they were made in your image and likeness. And the same God that raised Christ from the dead dwells in each and every one of us. May they know that and out of that, may they set the healthy boundaries that bring them closer to you, that guards their heart with due diligence, that allows them out of that place to love others as you have called them to. I pray that those who are stronger in these areas will open the door of opportunity and allow other people to come to them let it be iron sharpening iron. Give what God has already revealed in you to those who are struggling. Don't be selfish. We are one another's keepers. There are rocks or loads that we cannot carry. Let us help those who need help. God, you have done a work here today. And we just give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise for what is seen, what is unseen, the change and the rearrange that is happening. We worship and honor you, God. We couldn't do or live or move or breathe or think without you. We look for the good and not the bad. We freely give what was freely given to us. And we just worship you. We worship you. It is in the sweet, powerful, holy name of Jesus that we pray. And if you agree, let us say amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to the Most High God. You are worthy, Lord, and we honor you. Thank you.
concludes our service on today if you would like to stay after to find out ways to plug into our church or find out ways to become a member or participate in next week's water baptism outside in the lobby uh, as you exit to the left will be our chapel a brief 30 minute meeting that will take place there outside of that May you all be blessed, and we'll see you next week in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, that was an amazing service. Thank you so much for worshiping.